Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. Alrighty, I'm ready for today's word. How many of you are ready for today's word? Excited? That is good. I was just so blessed uh, last week. Bernadine just shared a powerful message on worship. Can we just give Bernadine a huge hand? for? Um, and it really ties into a lot of the theme uh, for... It's, you know, I don't really plan a theme, but, but as you get going, God kind of keeps reminding you of, of his, you know, just of what he wants to say in this time and in this season. And the core thing of, of what he's been challenging us is to ask ourselves, what do I have to give? Um, and so how many of you have been challenging yourself regularly? Can I see any hands? All right, so we've got to preach that sermon again. There's a lot of people that haven't been challenging themselves enough. Let me give you the core there. Instead of asking in the mornings, God, I need this, or, or, or saying, God, I, I really need this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, pack my bag for the day with what I need for the day. Start asking God what you have that you can give, and start packing your bag with what you have to give. In other words, be ready to give something during the day. And I found that as soon as I focused on what I have to give, Things like stress and anxiety and fear and anxiousness faded away. Because suddenly I, I was approaching the day with the expectation that I was going to give something or be a blessing somewhere. Instead, so I took my, my eyes off of the focus of what I need. So it doesn't matter what circumstance I get into, the moment I feel that tug of like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting afraid or, or I'm getting anxious, I start asking, okay, but what do I have to give? In this moment. You should try it. It's amazing. Okay. So we've been challenging. I want to challenge you. So in terms of that, Bernadine then spoke about worship last week. And coming in his presence. And it really ties into the same theme. Because because I come with an expectation. I come with an, with an expectation to meet God. I'm, I'm not coming with my list of things that I need. But I'm coming just to enjoy God's presence. And then out of that, there is power that flows in there. And so in this couple of weeks, I, you know when God says, I want you to read in Hosea, you're like, oh no, like, <laughs> judge me, yeah, exactly. You're like, because uh, the story of Hosea really is a prophet who God had, who, who God had called to prophesy. But um, he first said, hey, Hosea, I want you to go there and, and find yourself a prostitute wife. And his struggle in terms of, ex, in, in ex, really birthed a lot of the prophetic word. But God was actually pointing out that what was coming out of her is actually in the heart of all of the nation. Hello? What was coming out of her is really in the heart of all nation, and, of the nation. And God was really calling the nation to come back and worship him in sincerity and in truth. And so, but I, I was spending time, you know, and I, I was just having a discussion with God, and I was saying, God, this morning, I feel like hiding away. How many of you have felt like that? I, I just, I feel like hiding away. I don't even know how to express my emotions. I don't even know how to express my thoughts to you. God, today, I'm, I'm just going to go hide away. God says, I want you to read Hosea. I'm like, oh. 
<laughs> Exciting. And uh, it takes me to Hosea 2. And I want you to turn there. Hosea 2 verse 16. And God just starts to speak to me. And I believe he's speaking for us, to us. But not just to us. He's speaking to us as a people, as a nation. It says, and in that day, Hosea 2 verse 16. It shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me Ish, which means my husband. And you will not call me Bali. Now, I don't normally go and I look for the Hebrew word in the English Bible, but when they've left the Hebrew word and I don't understand it, then I need to go find out what it means. So Ish, not Ish. Ish. Let's first go to Bali. Bali. You will not call me Bali. Bali in the Strong's Dictionary describes it as being, you will not call me Bali. You will not call me, and the meaning of that is an owner, a chief man, someone who is furious, great, and hairy. Okay? <laughs> So, so, so you, you, you're not going to call me that anymore. You, you're not going to call me furious, the chief man, great. And does that sound like someone you know? Oh, oh. You know, like, like, like that, that typical, you know, I'm going to take charge, caveman mentality. God's like, you're not going to call me that anymore. I, I'm not your chief. I'm not furious. I'm not your owner. I'm not scary and hairy. But I am something else. I am your certain champion. I ask for your consent. This is what the word ish means. I am your certain champion. I ask for your consent. In other words, I invite your input. I honor that which is of high degree so that together we can steward that which is worthy. There's a change happening in the way we need to perceive God. And that is no longer of a God who tells us what to do, but of a God who invites us into relationship so that together we can know Him Together we can value what is of high degree. And together we can steward that which is worthy. So if we think back of Hosea and his experience, he was married to a harlot. He was married to a prostitute. And a prostitute is used to being owned. A prostitute is used to being taken advantage of. And so often we approach God from that mentality. Oh, I'm owned by God. If it's the Lord's will, then so be it. <laughs> is, is someone in the room? I'm just God's vessel. I'm a broken vessel. Look at me, broken and so we come to God with this mentality. 
But actually what we do is we discredit who God created us to be. Because God's actually calling us out of that position. And he's calling us into a place of marriage with God. And God doesn't want to be broken, married to what is broken. God wants to be married to what carries value, to what is excited about things of high degree. To, to, to the bride that is excited about the goodness that it has been called to. And so that's what God is calling us up, up into. But the church, we as the church, need to represent God in that way. We have to, we have to if I say we have to, I, I mean it is good for us. <laughs> it is good for us to know God. And God in this time is saying, I want to be your husband. I don't want to be your master. That's what he's saying. And so he's calling us into a place where we... Now, some of the men are looking at me like... I don't know how to be a, husband, how to be a wife. I, I don't know what it means to have a husband. God was saying... He's going to bring the church into a place where it's not smacking, attacking all the fruits of what happens in the heart, but it's able to get to the heart of God's goodness. What I mean by that is prostitution or harlotry is really just the fruit at the end of a branch on a tree of belief that has a root in something else. And so as the church, when we feel we want to be effective, we go and we take control. And we attack the things hanging at the end of the branch as if we are really bringing change to the world. And all that we represent so often to the world is a big, hairy, angry caveman who is furious. And I had to unfollow some leaders this week some influences on Instagram because my heart is being, is it, it, how do I say the right word? It, I'm being agitated by people who think that they can change the world by being angry and furious and attacking things that are actually the outcome of what lies at the root. The root of our world's problems is that they don't know who they are. And the root of our world's problems is, is that they don't know who God is. And because they don't know who God is, they don't know who they are. And so we can't go and, and, and attack the outcome. We've got to go to the root, and we've got to fix what is happening at the core, at the very center of it all. And that is our, our own personal identification, our own personal knowledge of God. Knowledge, know, know God. Understand His ways, feel His ways. And it takes us, what Bernadine was sharing last week, He's calling us to move out of the head space into the heart space so that we can know Him, know Him, know Him. There aren't enough English words, there aren't enough whatever language words on earth to describe who God is. Okay, so we're going to just demonstrate it. I want you to turn to the person next to you.
just turn to the person, even if they're sitting three chairs away. And I'm going to give the, the opportunity for the person on the right to, in ten, ten words, describe that person sitting next to you. Three, two, one, go. All right, that's enough, that's enough. All right, now the other person, turn to that person and describe them. Go for it. Three, two, one, go. All right, can I just see quickly show of hands? That's enough. How many of you just felt completely described, imperfect? Just, just put up your hand. All right, apparently Mikula did a good job. Skolk put up his hand. How many of you just feel like, man, this person knows me inside out and could describe me to the full? KG, Razine, well done. All right. All right. Jono, Jono got described. Okay. So, so there we go. But how many of you really like, oh, that was hard? Now, now that's how it is with God. We come to church, I can read this whole Bible, and if I just read words, we're not going to know God. But to know someone, you have to feel someone. I can feel Justin. I, I love Justin. Justin loves me back. <laughs> Justin's not the only one I love in this church, but I'm not going to start naming names. <laughs> but I know who he is without having to describe it. In my heart, I feel, and, and, and the same with, more so with my wife, and, and with my children, and with the person sitting, and that's how it is with God. He wants to be our husband. In other words, He wants us to know Him. And there's a change that's happening where He's taking us out of us, just being His subjects, but we're actually becoming Real, really part of who he is. Romans 12 verse 2 now says, don't be conformed to this world. It's in the light of what we're sharing. It's saying, don't let the world have ownership over you. But be transformed. By what? Okay, the renewal of your mind. Let me turn then, because uh, the Amplified says it a little. I like there's one sentence there that I want to get to. All right, someone help me out, Justin. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And it says there, if I've got it right, Wait, wait, hold on, in brackets. Change your thinking. Is that what it says? What does it say? There we go. By its new ideas and its new attitudes. So there is, there is something that's happening. If we're going to go from God is big and scary to God is my loving husband, 
We have to have a transformed mind. We have to have a renewed way of thinking and a renewed attitude. Do you understand how, how God is saying, hey, listen, I want to partner with you. All of this is available. When you're transformed, you're actually then going to able to test and prove how good my purpose is, how good my will is. And then it goes even further and it says, and you will even be able to prove how good my will is for you. So there is, there is a, a part of God that cannot be experienced. There is a part of God that cannot be felt, cannot be known, unless there first is a transformed attitude. Unless there first is a changed mind. But a changed mind is only a reflection of a changed heart. Because God says, I will be in their hearts and their minds. I will be their God, they will be my people, and I will live in their hearts and in their minds. So there is first a transformation of heart, and then a transformation of mind that has to take place before you can prove how good God is. Because if you don't change your heart, you don't change your mind, you cannot experience God the husband. He will always be God the master until there is a changed heart. And then he becomes God the husband. Is that really good? It's a bit quiet. There's a change of heart, there's a change of mind. And in the change of heart and the change of mind, God goes from being master to husband. That's why God could, for instance, harden Pharaoh's heart. Because Pharaoh did not love God. So God was his master. But once you step into the love of God, there is a change that takes place and God becomes husband to the bride, husband to the church. Are we all on the same page? Are we all there? All right, are you being blessed by that? (laughs) So how does the church represent the husband? What does she present? How do we change our hearts. So we spoke about the fact that we don't get up in the morning and go, God, I need, I need, I need. Why? That, that prayer is for someone who sees God as the master. God is my master. I need. And we're waiting for God to do everything for us because he's the master. But there's a different prayer when we are married to. There is still a need. You see, God, God says, I know your needs even before you ask. Why? Because he's your husband. I know Bernadine's needs most of the time. <laughs> most of the disclaimer. <laughs> Asterix in the corner, small text. <laughs> I'm not always good at verbalizing. 
the fact that I recognize her needs. <laughs> so often I get into trouble. Like she's like, do I look good? I'm like, you look amazing. I thought it all day. I just forgot to say it. All right. <laughs> but God is, is, God knows. He, he absolutely knows. He, he absolutely knows. So, so if we know that he knows, we, have a diff, we come with a difference. And, and God actually says, and I shared it just in the ministry time, but in Matthew it says, um, in Matthew 5, it says, blessed, Matthew 5 or 6, Jesus was speaking, and he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's a difference between needing something from the master and hungering and thirsting for God's righteousness. Now, God's righteousness, what's that? What is God's righteousness? Well, that, that's his ways. So I hope that since Bernadine has been married to me that she's been thirsting and hungering to know my ways most of the time. <laughs> Anyone in the room feel like that? Anyone married, yeah, feel like that, okay? And sometimes we make the mistake and we're like, I'm angry now because you didn't do it in my way, Right? You see that at that moment, if I say that I'm acting like a hairy caveman. Okay. Guys, say that with me. When I control my wife, I am nothing more than a furious, hairy caveman. (laughs) How many ladies in the room feel just blessed by that word? Just put up your hand. <laughs> All right, but thankfully God made cavemen and cave women. So ladies say this with me, when I control my husband <laughs> and I get angry and furious, I am nothing more than a hairy cave woman. <laughs> I'm not making this up, guys. This was in the Strong's dictionary. All right, that that's that's what it means. That's what barley means. Okay. <laughs> but be transformed, yes. Okay. So what are we presenting to the world? We present a God that is loving. We present a God that is, listen, He's more than loving. He's championing. He's championing our cause because He loves us. And you know what? He wants to work with us. Okay, I'm just, just recapping over here. But at that same time, because he is asking for consent, and, and what did we say that is? That is um, inviting our input. We've got to invite God's input into our lives. Into, right? Because we're, we're married. We're the bride of Christ to God. And so we seek his ways because of that. We, we, we hunger and thirst at all times, in every situation, even when you guys can't figure out how to pack the dishwasher, you are hungering and thirsting for God's righteousness, for His ways. And as I was spending time, I said, God, well, what are your ways? What is your righteousness? He said, yes, three things. It's God's direction. It's God's inspiration 
It's God's passion. That's his righteousness. If I'm looking for his righteousness, then I'm looking for God's direction. I'm looking for God's inspiration in my life. I am looking for God's passion in my life. Say passion. Say it with passion. There we go. Isaiah, we've got someone who understands. Okay. All right. Now, now look at this. Go to Proverbs 1. Just, just, just Proverbs 1. This is going to have a whole new if, feel to it. Proverbs 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Do you see how Solomon knows his identity? All right. Turn to the person next to you and introduce yourself. Go. All right, now the other person, introduce yourself. All right, you guys have done it already. Okay, Solomon is like, I am Solomon, son of David. All right, king of Israel. Okay, I'm not, I'm, all right, there is, listen, there, there is something about his earthly position. That has come from God. Alright? So think about your earthly position. And how the, your identity, really, your place right now, is dependent on your heart's attitude and your relationship to God. Is that, is that, are you with me? Are you with me? Are we, are we all in the same space? Okay. Justin wants to go again. Who wants to go again? <laughs> okay. So we've got to... We've got to know who we are, where we come from, and why we're here based on our relationship with God. So the fact that Daniel is here before you as, as a pastor is really because at the age of 18, in my relationship with God, he had a call on my life, and I responded into the unknown, and what was unknown became known out of relationship. Okay, how many of you have a testimony of God's goodness on your life. Okay, so that's, that's what we're looking for. This is Solomon's testimony. I am Solomon. I am the son of probably the greatest king that has ever walked the earth. And now I get to fill his shoes because God loves us. And God promised that he would never leave King David, my father's, generations, forever and ever. There's, there's a, wow, there's a relationship. Okay, now, he says, these are the Proverbs that people may know skillful and godly wisdom and instruction and discernment and comprehend the words of understanding and insight. Solomon is saying, I'm giving you a gift. It's the Proverbs. These Proverbs were written, hopefully so that in the change of your mind and in the change of your attitude, you can finally comprehend the wisdom and the knowledge of God so that you may know God. How many of you have ever read Proverbs 1 with so much understanding? There is power in every word of the Bible. Okay. So we're 
hungering and thirsting for God's ways. Because only when we hunger and thirst for God's ways are we completely satisfied. It's the only place in our existence where we are completely satisfied. So if anyone is unsatisfied, there is a root cause for that. If anyone is unsatisfied in anything, there is a root cause. There is a seed of unsatisfaction. And that is, God has not become my husband. He is still my master. Someone say amen. So how do we, the question was, how do we represent, how do we present our husband to the world? God's looking for a certain kind of people. And he's looking for a people that have a living, walking experience of God the husband. This church, yeah, we don't get together so that you can feel good. If you came this morning hoping just to feel good, you are going to leave unsatisfied. But if you came to this church this morning to be completely transformed, to hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, then you will leave satisfied. So, okay, so, so yeah, Moses is, is leading the people, and it's in Deuteronomy 1. And God says, I want you to choose certain people, because Moses on his own can't do it. Now, just, just listen to this. Okay. Deuteronomy 1 verse 8 says, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land, which the Lord swore to your... Now, now, here he's naming Moses' fathers. Again, it is identity. God is saying, I have given you a promise. Go and take hold of this promise. It's a promise I gave to your fathers. Abraham, to your father Isaac, and to Jacob. Now, in that is a declaration of identity. And it's, it's saying, I, am, I, am, I, was, I was a God to them. But I, was, I had a specific relationship with each and every one of them. And if you see the relationship I had, you're going to take strength from that. So take strength from that. And then he says, to give them and to their descendants after them. I said to you at the time, I'm not able to bear you alone. The Lord your God has multiplied you. Uh, this is Moses actually speaking. Sorry, it's not, it's not God. But it, 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 I, sorry, I read that just in the wrong way. It's Moses speaking. It's what happens when you start halfway through. All right. But Moses is saying, I said to you at the time, I'm not able to bear you alone. The Lord your God has multiplied you. And behold, you are this day as the stars of the and just underline that in your Bible. Behold, you are this day as the stars in the sky. So he's saying there was a promise and the promise has already come to pass. When God is our master, we're waiting for a promise. When God becomes our husband, we receive the promise. 
Does that make sense? Okay. Then it says, May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are, and bless you as he has promised you. Moses asks then, How can I bear alone the weariness and the pressure and the burden of your strife? He asks this question because he's speaking to a multitude of people that themselves have not yet walked into the fullness and the love of God. Now if we go back to Hosea 2, and this just excited me, and I'm going to come back to Deuteronomy 1. Okay, so if we go back to Hosea 2 verse, uh, we were at 16, but drop down to 18. The second half of 18 says, And I will break the bow and the sword and conflict out of your land, and I will make you lie down safely. So I was reading this verse. I was speaking to God. I was saying, God, I don't want to be a hairy caveman anymore. <laughs> I'm tired of conflict. I'm tired of conflict. You know, you know when, 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 you know, in, let me just say, in that week, Bernadine and I had been having some conflict. We'd been, you know, struggling to sort some things out and, and work it out. So I wrote this, I wrote in my journal, God's going to take conflict out of my marriage. Look, we don't have a lot of conflict, but in that week, okay? <laughs> and I'm going to take it completely out. And I'm like, God, this is such a good word. Man, I'm going to break the sword and the bow and take conflict out. And I wrote, in my marriage. <laughs> then he says, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness, in justice, in steadfast love, and in mercy. But whenever I read that verse, after having that, God said, no, I didn't just give you that verse for your marriage. I want you to believe that I'm going to break the bow and the sword of conflict out of your land, which is South Africa. I'm going to break the bow and the sword of conflict. Guys, I just felt God speaking to us as a church, that he's raising up a betrothed people. Now, it does start in my marriage. It does start in whatever relationship I am having. God wants to break conflict in my personal relationships. But beyond that, he has a promise because suddenly I'm going to start living like a betrothed son, a betrothed bride, a bride of Christ. I'm going to start living like God is my husband. I'm going to start living in the fullness. I'm going to break the bow, of sword, the, the, the bow and the sword of conflict, not just in my personal relationships, but I'm going to do it in the land. And the more I started to say, oh, I don't know if I can really believe that. I don't, you know, God's saying, no, this is my promise. This is my promise to you. As you are raised up like, like in the betrothal. <laughs> We've, you know, I can't even explain that in, in any more words. And so, so he's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring us out. Let me read further here. And I will betroth you to me, yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness, in justice, in steadfast love. I will even betroth you to me in stability 
and in faithfulness, and you will know that I am the No, just know that I am the Lord. So God is calling the church, the bride of Christ, in, if it's even possible, calling us into a deeper relationship where every person genuinely knows God, the fullness of God. And he's going to show us, man, and he's going to break, break conflict. And, and in, in, in Deuteronomy, Moses is saying, he's saying, yeah, so how can I bear the weariness and the pressure and the burden of your strife, the burden of your conflict? And God says to him, choose wise, understanding, experienced, and respected men according to your tribes, and I'll make them head over you. So God is choosing not more chiefs, not more hairy controlling cavemen to be controlling and head over the groups of people. He's calling up a specific man. He's calling up a specific woman who understands the love of God. And they in their nature are going to become leaders in their whatever area you're in. Leaders in their fields. And God said, I'm going to raise up this church to be absolute leaders in their fields. How many of you would love to be the leader in the field you're currently in? Okay, just, just put your hands up high. This is not a rhetorical question. This is now an answer of faith. Do you want to be the leader in your field? Put your hand up. Say, I want to be the leader in my field. Let's say with, can I just read that? God's looking for people of passion. Okay. I want to be the leader in my field. Okay. So God is going to put you over 10. He's going to put you over 50. He's going to put you over hundreds. He's going to put you over thousands. Now that sounds like heaven to people who like to control. That sounds like heaven to people who like to manipulate. No, God is calling up leaders who are going to lead tens and fifty and hundreds and thousands out of their relationship with God, out of the love that they carry, out of the fact that they have learned from their husband how to lead with righteousness, how to lead with honor, how to lead with grace. God is calling up men. So as I took this, and women, as I took this, I took those, those three things that I said righteousness is. Righteousness is direction. Righteousness is inspiration. Righteousness is passion. Now look what happens to those three words when you take them and you apply them to men or women who have an understanding of God. Suddenly, um, inspiration becomes understanding because you're not just inspired you actually have an experience of what that inspiration does and you look back and you have understanding so understanding is not head knowledge understanding is an is an experience of what it means when i'm inspired by god i take that in faith i walk with it and i look back in my life and i've got understanding does that make sense all right, the second word is direction. 
God says, choose men who have experience. So, when you're fresh, God gives direction. Abraham got given a direction. And then he journeyed in faith. And he looks back and he has experience. Are you with me? (laughs) Number three, men of passion. You're fresh. It's not after the order. You've got lots of passion. God gives you passion. You journey with it in faith. And you look back. And what have you got? Respect. You with me? (laughs) Respect is not something that you can claim. Respect is not something you can own. Respect is not something you can give to yourself. Respect is when men recognize the passion that is on your life and the fact that you have journeyed in passion for, for your life. You've, you've journeyed in faith with passion. That is what makes someone respected. You look at them. Now, passion, we had a picture of Jesus on the wall there, the passion of the Christ. Passion means I am fully willing to bear the weight of the chosen thing or the chosen direction that I've gone into. Passion doesn't mean, yo, I'm, I've got, you know, I'm, I love rugby and, and I just love throwing the ball and it's good and fun and I'm shouting the loudest. No, it, it means I'm willing to bear the weight. I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to get to the end. That's what real passion is. And so many leaders, when they start and they get going, they think, I want to be a leader. I want to be a leader over tens and hundreds and fifties and, and five hundreds and thousands. But the moment they realize what it costs, they go, you know what, I'm just going to come back right here. And then what happens? God, I, I need, and they start praying, I need prayers again. Because I haven't stepped through into the responsibility of bearing the weight. The responsibility of owning that which has been given. Does that make sense? Now, now this is in the context, guys, of a loving husband, a loving father. God is saying, I'm going to call you. I'm going to transform your mind out of I am your master to I am your husband. Church, God, Jesus Christ is our husband. And there is a whole different Revelation. There is a whole different nature that comes out of us in that. If you're in this church, you're called to be leaders in your fields based on your revelation of who God is in your life. Is that good? Let's just stand together. Father, we thank you for opening up our eyes and our hearts and our ears to your righteousness this morning. And Lord, we want to say as a body, we hunger and thirst for your righteousness. But Father, we know that the door to your righteousness is through relationship with you. And I just pray for every person standing here that you would have a sense of God's power on your life, that you would have a sense of of God's glory resting upon you. And so, Father, I pray for that person, Lord, for us, that your glory will rest upon us. 
And you would open and transform our minds to experience your glory in us, your glory on us. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Father, that you say today, I will break the bow and the sword and I will break conflict in our land. And we declare that as a prophetic word. We thank you that the time is now, the time is right. Not for us to be afraid of conflict, not for us to be afraid of the things that are happening in our nation, in our city councils, um, in, in government meetings, in ministerial meetings, in party meetings, Father, but also out on the streets. Father, we ask that somehow we will be able to demonstrate your love for our nation through us, Father. Somehow that, our, us, that we as a church will be able to stand up in the fullness of our identity and not back down afraid, not afraid to demonstrate your love as in unity, as oneness, in unity in the faith, as your glory rests on us, the bride of Christ. And we thank you for that. Father, clothe the bride in glorious splendor. Clothe the bride in purity that comes from you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.